Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Bringing you Christmas spirit, sharing tips on how to de-stress during the holidays, and exposing Apple's Tim Cook for the hypocrite that he is. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My regular time is Saturdays from 3 to 6, but I happily cede the last hour to Toys for Tots. It was so inspiring, really giving me the Christmas spirit. I'm here from 4 to 6 with my trusty producer, Binkley. Hey, Binkley, how are you doing? Uh, Season, Binkley. I'm great. <laughs> are you? See, this is the thing. We're so busy all the time. You're doing all your little getting your clips ready and everything that uh, that we can't really enjoy. And I find this to be particularly true on the Christmas season. But I'm absolutely committed to not uh, falling into that trap this year that I, I really want to make the most of the holiday spirit. I really love uh the charitable attitude, especially around here, all the things WSB does on the radio during uh, the month of December. I just love it. So uh, let's see. So let me. So here's the thing. I totally want to. We're probably going to go down the rabbit hole and get right back to where we usually are. We haven't had a show in a long time. We've got a massive backlog of stuff. But because I took this news holiday, basically, we haven't been on in a month, uh, and I just have been real busy. We moved into a different house, and I just have not paid attention to the news. And I'm kind of, I don't know, amazed at how, how much less I worry about stuff, not being constantly exposed to all the fear-mongering. It's like I... Uh, it's like the consent of the victim. If you're an Atlas Shrugged fan, that or that was not Atlas Shrugged. That was uh, Dostoevsky, maybe or Tolstoy. But it's this idea. No, no, that was Atlas Shrugged. Yes, the consent of the victim. Sorry. A toy, a Tolstoy reference. I'm in sorry, the first I'm couple wrong. Minutes. I was wrong. So <laughs> no, definitely Atlas Shrugged. The consent of the victim. You have to go along with it. Uh. That by listening to all the propaganda and all the negativity, you really worry about all these things that are totally out of your control. So so now I'm trying to think. And so and I also have the problem of worrying about all the things that are in my control. <laughs> so I'm always stressed out. It's bad for the kids and uh, and my environment. And I just decided I'm not doing it anymore. I'm really not going to do it anymore. I'm going to try to not be so attached to how things turn out. I'm just going to do my best. I really feel like it's in your control to just let it go and be happy during these times when you know your kids are still home. And I don't know. So you think this is a fantasy? I can't keep it going. I've been trying. I mean, your effort is admirable and you might as well keep trying. I personally am not happy unless I hear at least two or three snide Don Lemon comments about Russian oh. conspiracies once a day. And weirdly, though, you are not a negative influence. If you're like super negative person, when you send me these bizarre tweets in the middle of the night, I think or quote text, I, I think I would it would get me down. But it doesn't because it's all often so humorous. And I know you have some really humorous 
clips up your sleeve. The line between show. parody and reality is is gone. Yes, 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 it absolutely is. And uh, so, but I really feel like it's, this is, uh, and uh, this season is an opportunity the fir- for the first time I really see how delightful it is to have all the Christmas smells and sights and music and flavors and just to really enjoy. And of course, most of all, to embrace the season for the hopeful renewal that it is. And, and actually I always dovetail. I mean, I can't think of anything without thinking of how much I worry about where the powers that be are taking us, but it's my opinion that the most, and I'm sure I'm wrong. I hate to talk about anything religious from as if I had original insights. I know people spend, people have spent their lifetimes for centuries on Christianity or other religions, but I really feel that Christ's message is about uh, loving, the most important thing, and I guess it's the Good Samaritan story, loving people uh, without regard to them being in your in-group or of your same religion or nationality or any of that. Even my mother takes it so far as like she's never even favoring her own children. Like if somebody did something wrong, got in trouble with the cops or was even getting a divorce. I mean, we're friends with the ex-wives of my brothers more than the my brothers sometimes. No, it's crazy. Like it's really crazy. Uh, but that's the way that's her her attitude is that you really that I guess Christ love transcends identity, let's say. So even if you're not Christian, I feel like this season you can embrace that uh, message and bring real loving charity across the board. And I feel like that would totally neutralize the most powerful levers of the powers that be in that they're always looking for divisiveness, for fear. Um, they base it on identity. They they want you to feel like for some reason, some inherent reason, people outside your group uh, can't be trusted, that you need them, this government, that power to intervene on your behalf just because of this inherent difference. And it has to be inherently negative because the government is there to, they justify their existence by saying they're defending you. So I feel like they have to constantly sow divisiveness, although they act like they're doing the opposite. So I know how I could make Christmas political in one minute. <laughs> yeah, they want us to yeah. fight, and they both say, we're trying to unify you. The other side's trying to divide you when they're both trying to divide us. Yes, absolutely. So I feel like uh, I'm trying to not let that stuff get into my head so much this month, and a lot of times December is a kind of slow news month, so I like that. I want to really take the time to enjoy this and uh and I've, i think i'm doing a good job de-stressing i feel like i i want to see if anybody else i had a, had an uncle my uncle's brother actually who in his 50s had a heart attack and he was the only guy of his generation in my world when i was a kid who did not get way bent out of shape about traffic or crying kids or anything like he was just certain nicest guy super male he's in his 90s now he yesterday was Pearl Harbor Day. He he and his four brothers 
were celebrated a couple of years ago in D.C. for all having fought in World War II. Wow. Yeah, and this guy, so he he got through that heart attack, and I think his... His like stress free life. And I always wondered in adulthood, I looked back and I thought, how did, how did Uncle John do that? And I, th- and I, and I think he just did it. He's like, it doesn't matter if we're late. It doesn't matter if I have to leave early. It does not matter that much. Like, just hug your kids because they're just going to go off to college and you're never going to see them again. It's like, don't scream at them, hug them. Although, they do deserve <laughs> kids can be rather frustrating, but I, I feel like you can, you can do it. And, uh, and I, and if anybody else has an epiphany like Uncle John and can share, uh, I'm happy to hear it. One eight hundred WSB Talk or four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. I'll listen to it. But for me, I feel like just not biting off more than you can chew, and uh, you know, just visualizing how to get through your day and get everything done because that's what gets so stressful. And then at the end of the day, I feel like just uh, enjoy. You know, I have my. Kick back with a cocktail. I do have a craft cocktail hobby. I'm not going to call it a habit. I don't do it during the week. And actually, this is a good time to tease to. I want to uh, give a very simple recipe that can be made with or without alcohol. Uh, Later on in the show, it'll be my cocktail, uh, my Christmas cocktail of the year. Now that my blog kind of limps along, I'll have to do it on air. So stay tuned for that. Wow, I'm excited. I know. It's pretty exciting. So that's it. Do you have any any pointers for the for the crowd, Binkley? I think you gave pretty good advice. We just we can only can, can control what we can control, and traffic is often not one of them. Dude, I know. I had a fender bender for the first time in my memory the other day. Oh no. Oh, it was so. It was like I, it was so minor. I didn't even notice it. I clipped a Tesla. I guess the back of a Tesla is kind of hippie so i was going around it and i just i didn't even know i thought it was like the groceries in the back of my car falling over you weren't trying to read the bumper stickers nope i was completely paying attention i just literally had no idea well i guess i'd gone a couple of blocks before the gal flagged me down and by the time she pulled me over she was out of her mind i think she thought i was running away Oh my gosh. And then this was after I had like adopted my new stress-free attitude, <laughs> plus coupled with my experience taking irate calls. I was just like, hey, I'm super sorry. I'll pay for it. Don't worry. And she was just like- She was irate? Oh, irate. So I gave her my information, everything like that. And still, and it was like an insight into human, some people, the way they think. She was really scrutinizing like my address and stuff. And she was saying, <laughs> you don't live near here. You don't know. We have standards and you are, you don't care about other people and how your behavior affects other people. I was like, dude, I haven't had an accident. I can't even remember. I didn't even know what to do. Wow. She was like, well, you call insurance. I was like, I didn't even know that. It's like she presumed you were a Trump supporter because you... Oh my gosh, could you imagine if I had had any kind of, even a libertarian thing, people get super threatened by that but they want it well, they want it that's a good point that you want to project it's like the stuff you bring me the clips you bring me of um the michael moore stuff where he's like they're they're evil lying racists are all trump support like like there's two <laughs> like half the people are completely evil and half the people are good yet everybody seems to go to work and get things done and you know to me that's a sign of goodness not you know of construction not destruction 
Uh, and for the amount of evil people they claim is out there, I would say we're far below the amount of crime we should be seeing. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. So anyway, that's my uh, entree into uh, the Christmas season. But of course, this show would not be the show if we didn't have some uh, some shocking audio from Binkley coming up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're back, and we are in the Christmas spirit, although we are going to get up to our old tricks at the bottom of the hour. But uh, we were just talking about holiday stress and not freaking out too much, and I had a Galaxy Quest moment for the sci-fi fans out there. I don't know if everybody knows what that is. When um, Alan Rickman died, I was like, oh, Dr. Lazarus. And Binkley was like, you mean Hans Gruber? So Dr. Lazarus is the Galaxy Quest guy, but if you watch that show, that movie... There's a kid, he's saving the world. Uh, he's trying to walk the Galaxy Quest crew through how to use the Omega-13 and, and save the universe. And he's doing it on his computer, but his mom doesn't know that. And she's like, hey, you have to take out the garbage. She comes and knocks on the door like five times. Finally, he has to stop saving the universe and run and take out the garbage. So I'm not exactly saving the universe, but I just am getting these calls from the really great guy who's hanging that i can never i try to do the christmas lights myself my husband tries we don't so this year somebody's doing it for us but he keeps calling me i'm like i'm i'm on the radio live right now can't my husband help you my husband's like i'm picking out the christmas tree tell him to come back later so anyway i've got that uh trying to not get stressed out over the holidays at all and you guys going all out with the lights i just like the icicle types that fall down you know, they look like uh, icicles, and I just can't seem to... You need to put a lot of little nails in the rafters and stuff, and I just I can't deal with it at all. And I'm dangerous on a ladder. I want to do these things, but I really... <laughs> I don't have the balance for you it. You don't want to end up like Clark Gr Griswold hanging on the gutter. <laughs> right. Where was that thing you were telling me about? The uh, I can't remember where it was, but somebody... someone set up a decoration yeah. where they put a fake person hanging on the on the gutter, like it was a Clark Griswold <laughs> decoration, and people freaked out because they thought it was a real person. They're trying to help. They're calling the cops. They, the cops must have told them to take it down because people would freak out. Yeah, but I love that stuff. The holidays are so fun, and I'm super excited to, for the first time, really try not to stress out and just enjoy. And I think we're gonna have some fun with this show. We've got. This uh, Tim Cook got an award for being like the the uh, the most moral tech leader in the world or whatever. And the hypocrisy he is spewing, we can actually point by point uh, call him out on uh, what BS he is spewing as he accepts this reward award. So let's let's get to that. It's pretty amusing and uh, more. More of that kind of stuff after the break. 800-WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Monica Perez. I'm not interested in fantasies. I'm interested in reality. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Brendan, honey. Garbage. Oh, mother, I'm quite busy. Come on, Brandon, don't make me ask you again. Now, just 10 more minutes, okay, Ma? I promise.
Hello? Got him. Listen to me. This is Jason Nesmith. I play Commander Peter Quincy Taggart of NSEA Protector. We accidentally traded boxes the other day when we bumped into each other. Oh. Oh, Commander, I see. Okay. What's your name, son? Brandon? Brandon, I remember you from the convention, right? You asked all those little technical questions about the ship, and I was a little short with you. Yes, yes, I, I know, Commander, and uh, I actually want to, just wanted to tell you that I, I thought a lot about what you said. It's okay, now listen. But, but, I want you to know that I'm not a complete brain case, okay? <laughs> I understand completely that it's just a TV show. Just, oh, hold on. I know there's no Wait a minute, stop, stop for a second, stop. Wait. No ship. It's all real. Oh my god, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Oh. Rachel, thank you so much for finding that Galaxy Quest. Please, we need that for a drop. It's all real. It's all real. So, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. But we'll, we'll save that whole thing for another time. But what I really want to hear about is, uh, Binkley, you brought to me, my producer Binkley's here, of course, as always, you brought to me a uh, a speech that Apple's Tim Cook made recently at the what was tell me tell me the setting here. This is the Anti Defamation League's annual summit. It's called Never Is Now, and it's a summit on anti semitism and hate. And at the summit, Tim Cook was going to be receiving the. Courage Against Hate Award. Okay. So I listened to this because you sent it to me or um, told me about it. And I was really blown away by it reminded me of the South Park episode with the cloud of smug. (laughs) (laughs) The guy was I think that was like created by George Clooney's speech in the show. But this I mean, this guy was for sure creating a serious cloud of smug. He was, uh, he was, he sounded like, he reminded me of like an, a, a high priest, like an archbishop or something, delivering a really dry sermon. And at the same time, he really was pontificating and moralizing. But as I heard what he was actually saying, like what gave him the moral high ground, uh, and also when he was presented the award, the presenter, the head of the ADL, I guess, at this time. Uh, what they were saying is completely contrary to what they're actually doing and why. I mean, it's it's shocking, the hypocrisy and the damage that they're doing or that Tim Cook is doing with his censorship. So I want to play his clips, tease out the... Uh, you know, prove him wrong that he's not sincere because of the hypocrisy. But then I also want to give the libertarian view, my view as a libertarian on if these platforms should or should not censor and how to deal with that. So we've got a lot to bite off, but let's start with the clips. Uh, let's start with the, the, the presenter. What that first clip, clip one. All right. Apple was the first company to remove Alex Jones's hateful anti-government conspiratorial rants from their platform. (laughs) 
And other tech companies, as we know, followed their lead. So there are a couple of things right there that, I mean, right out of the gate makes me crazy. This, this idea that for him to say anti-government as a reason to censor Alex Jones's material is in itself that to me, if you look at the First Amendment, the left completely overreads the First Amendment and has overapplied it, in my opinion, to the point where they won't uh, that that why you see campaigners and panhandlers and that kind of thing outside the publics or wherever. It's because they the I think a Supreme Court case held that if you are going to use the police to protect your property, which you pay property taxes for and other taxes for as a private entity, and you're open to the public, you have to uh, allow free speech. You cannot restrict free speech on your property. So I actually don't think that's right. I think free speech is really about not allowing the government to censor free speech when it criticizes for the purpose of criticizing the government. Like, that's why you have to protect it. If you look at the Bill of Rights, it's all about how to restrain government from putting up barriers to your controlling it. So it's a way for us to limit the government. The government feels like the Constitution makes it self-limiting, but it's really just being limited by our ability to exercise those rights and privileges that are laid out in the Bill of Rights. We can prevent them from persecuting us for political reasons, from keeping us from criticizing them. That's really what the First Amendment is about. And I would even say that Tim Cook and Apple and big tech doesn't have an obligation to protect free speech because it's not a governmental entity, but I actually consider big tech to be at the core governmental because along the way I, I did a podcast with Corey, um, a listener and a, a guy who knows some stuff, about, some about quite a bit about tech that it's really the sister of the defense industry. Anyway, if you look at the internet, it came from DARPA. If you look at big tech, uh, all along through like Google, uh, there's a big expose about how Google was, uh, helped up by the government and many other big tech actors, people, companies are given access, given helping hand, giving financing through the CIA's tech uh, investment arm in QTEL. They're given all of these uh, ways to dominate their niche in the industry to the point where littler guys who maybe would offer people free speech protection. I guess Gab is a good a good example. A Gab AI is a good example of some of a company that's trying to struggle against Twitter, but but because it doesn't have the 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 size scope or whatever it is that gives Twitter an advantage, if that advantage came from government uh technology or connections or protection, then you have uh, an advantage that that the cooperators with government have over the people who would resist. So you have to look at big tech. I think you have to dig in and decide whether you think it even is truly private. But even if you think it is truly private, all the other private property in the world, in the country, has to comply with this broader reading of the First Amendment. So 
I don't want to fall on my sword for uh, Twitter's right to censor or Apple's right to censor when I don't I don't get that right. I, I object to that right overall. I don't get that right in any other arena to prevent, to protect the private property rights of publics, to keep campaigners and panhandlers away. Why should libertarian viewpoints on Twitter uh, be the one that's like, well, they can silence us because I'm going to die uh, by the sword or whatever. So this is the anti-government speech is the one kind of speech that should always be protected if you're going to protect speech on any kind of private platform. Uh, so he's giving this award to Tim Cook because of Tim Cook's heroic censorship. So let's just hear clip two and then we'll uh, then we'll dissect that a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is Tim Cook. We only have one message for those who seek to push hate, division, and violence. You have no place on our platforms. All right, they definitely do, and we're going to show that. But play clip three, because he talks exactly about the Alex Jones, I think. And as we showed this year, we won't give a platform to violent conspiracy theorists on the App Store. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> I mean, the right thing, if you, so what I did after I heard this speech is I immediately Googled most offensive song lyrics. So I just wanted to see if, if the songs that had the most offensive lyrics were on iTunes. And they are. Every single one of those artists is still on iTunes and most of the songs, if not all of the songs. So there's no way this guy is taking some moral high ground against hate and division and violence because some of these songs are about uh, domestic abuse, rape, um, home invasion. It's just it's and and the list goes on of the things this stuff is about. But the but this idea of violent conspiracy theorists being the number one. Um, threat to the world, you know that they, they're they not really meaning it from a, a position of good faith because the first guy, Greenblatt, kind of gave it away, this idea that it's the anti-government rants that they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. So who well, are they some protecting? Of some of them. Because the, the Antifa podcast titled Burning Cop Car and the thumbnail image, which is a police car on fire, is still on iTunes. And that's very anti-government. Well, that remind that makes me. I always think those kind of organizations are actually plants, agents provocateur for whatever purpose these guys are also serving. So let's let's talk about that. Maybe yeah, people yeah. don't understand what you're talking about. Let's okay, yeah. take a break and then we'll talk about that antifa thing. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. We are back. So we've been talking about Tim Cook getting an award, Courage Against Hate, I think it was called, from the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. And and he's they're applauding him for his censorship, starting with how he led the charge against Alex Jones. Now, I got caught up in that, in that uh, purge, and I have 
absolutely nothing hateful to say about anybody. And they completely took down my blog, so you won't know that. And what I actually did, wait, what do you got, Binkley? I read an article about deplatforming, and it talked about how while they do focus, they get somebody like Alex Jones that talked about how it's so much easier to deplatform people that don't have power, which is such an oppressive thing to yes, say. Yes, and I'll tell you the reason that a lot of the listeners right now don't hear it, uh, don't know anything about what I'm talking about, even though the purge was massive, is that almost every other person I've heard who got purged has a, a purely online presence. So I've actually had YouTube videos removed that. I said the same stuff or were actually WSB shows. So I, you know, once you're in, uh, on the internet only and they take it down, you can't prove your innocence. But I know that what I say is totally fine for FCC airwaves. They just don't like the content. And people won't talk about it because once they're taken down, if they rebuild, which is a big pain, they don't want to risk getting taken down again by saying those catchphrases that get you taken down. So I'm not for the censorship at all, not at all. But I find the hypocrisy shows that they're not really about morality. They're about censoring political speech. Right. And I don't think it's just, just the right they're censoring. I think what they focus on censoring are people who ask questions, who question the mainstream narrative. I think that's the criteria. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really on the right. I'm a libertarian. Like, right. I'm beyond. I, I don't. I don't espouse right. But there was. Maybe we'll talk about this. Uh, the hotel room effect. So all they do. I think they cut out. I think that uh, a lot of the political speech they cut out is on the right. I don't think, like you were saying, Antifa, which is a far left, anti-government, violent organization, is still on iTunes. So yeah, their thumbnail is a, a cop car on fire, right. and you know the ADL has given Apple uh, the Courage Against Hate Award. Right. So, and we can talk about more about that after the break. But they also, uh, you take all the outliers on the right, all the people on the right who have this speech you don't like, and they all go to Gab. So then it looks like Gab is like this hotbed of right wing. Uh, extremism, but it's really not. They forced only on the right the political views, not even extremist views. Anyway, I don't know what my own time is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say, be back in a few minutes with uh, more of the thing, the truth about what Tim Cook and Apple are up to. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I'm on from 4 to 6 today. Sometimes I move around for UGA Sports, but uh, we pack a lot in when we are on. And we were just uh, talking about some... I, I want to talk about some Michael Moore clips and some Tim Cook, Cook clips that show us how these guys, through their censorship and their control of society, are trying to make us all conform to their viewpoint. I hate to put labels left, right, whatever, but it's 
it's a it's a center it's a the idea of the central power at the top but there's something that was just a headline just now that binkley told me after during the break that what they're saying about cohen michael cohen uh there was the prosecutors recommended a severe sentence for him and and it's hard to actually get the real story primarily he's in trouble for tax evasion i mean that's what he's going down for but the reporting has been so unbelievably skewed that I just I have to point something out just as a uh, as an example, a demonstration for people to see. Be careful what you believe, even in print. I was trying to figure out what really was going on with Cohen, and I read a New York Post article, and it said uh, there was a quote in it. They were talking about a former prosecutor uh, tweeting about the case. And they quoted the tweet in the New York Post article, and it says, quote, just to make it crystal clear, New York federal prosecutors concluded that the president of the United States committed a felony, end quote, the former prosecutor tweeted, or he tweeted, okay? Just to make it clear, New York federal prosecutors concluded that the president of the United States committed a felony. And I thought, that's weird anyway, because prosecutors don't really conclude things. They make recommendations. Judges and juries conclude things for the purposes of news reporting. What do you got, Pinkley? That's well, not the Well, people who hear that are going to think that he was found guilty that by a judge. Right. And you know what's worse than that is, so I clicked through to figure out who this guy was because they put a link there for the tweet, the actual tweet. So I quick, clicked through and, it, and a tweet came up from this guy that said actually this. Just to be crystal clear, so obviously it's the same tweet, it opens the same Prosecutors drew the conclusion and made the assertion that Trump directed the campaign finance crime Cohen committed, but they did not charge Trump. A former charge has not been made. Formal <laughs> charges have been. That was the actual tweet. That's I mean, crazy. Right. So this is the New York Post reported the tweet as being New York federal prosecutors concluded that the president of the United States committed a felony. And that's what I heard on CNN and MSNBC for and the that past couple of days. What, and I don't think you can go in and change a tweet. I've never been able to alter and reissue a tweet so that the hot link went through to a new tweet. So so uh, people might not know this, but when I was in law school, the two most shocking things I learned was one was that administrative law, all the the FAA and every, anything that's an administration is legislation being conducted by the executive branch and is de facto unconstitutional. So all those regulations are unconstitutional. And uh, and this other thing, which was New York Times v. Sullivan, which anyone who went to law school is going to know this, the New York Times won and being sued for, I guess, libel, uh, because they put in quotation marks something that was paraphrased. So exactly what happened here, they took something, actually misconstrued the meaning, which is why the person was annoyed, and then I think, but uh, regardless, quotes are for paraphrasing is like when you say someone said something and you don't put quotes there, yeah. but a quote is a quote. So yeah. these people are misquoting and it's totally uh, been adjudicated by the Supreme Court that that's an okay thing to do. So be careful what you believe when you're reading even the so-called newspaper. Yeah, they'll twist anything. And, and get away with it. That's over what people and over. Yeah. Don't oh, don't understand. That's why we have a podcast called the Propaganda Report. It's propaganda, and don't believe it. Right. And the problem is they'll they'll misquote it. They'll say something that's 
false, but then it'll be repeated over and over again by the mainstream networks. Articles will be written by the New York Times, right. Washington Post, all those places. And then the only thing that will show up on the first five pages of Google are those. So it's a but circular thing. thing. I've actually done this more than once. You'll click through, click through, click through every single article, every reference, and it all goes back to the same source. A source, this is actually a better source than half the time I see, where it clicks through and the source is nothing. The source is definition of source. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, literally, like, there's nothing there at all. This, at least, is a clear misrepresentation of an actual tweet, but all the subsequent reporting will probably key off of this. And who knows? Maybe they, behind the scenes, take turns originating these ridiculous stories. So, but here was the thing I was saying about the, uh, about, Gab and all that they they marginalize. So I'm talking about censorship, Tim Cook, whatever, and uh, how Apple banned Alex Jones. And Alex Jones, of course, is is not going anywhere. He doesn't. He's got his own basically media empire at this point, or enough that he can continue to thrive and prosper on his own platforms. But I got cut out, and my stuff got uh, put down in the same purge that took out Alex Jones, and I had nothing to do with anything that he was saying. I called out a BS news report from the BBC, and I got uh, taken down for referring to a BBC news story, which is absolutely within my rights to do. So, uh, but, but what happens is when you take out everybody, uh, so there, so mainstream means I would say just like any bell curve, two standard deviations away from the mean is like your mainstream left, right, all your news. Then there are outliers, people who have more, uh, un, more, uh, unorthodox ideas. They're thought leaders on the left and the right who have different ideas. There's also radical extremists. There are also agents provocateur who pretend to be radical extremists. There's a lot of bad stuff everywhere, but there are outliers, people outside the two standard deviations who are banned from these platforms. The thing is when it's let all of these platforms admit a bias so that the only kind of, uh, uh, ideas that they're banning that are fringe ideas are on the right. So like Binkley pointed out, Antifa, which is a fringe and violent, uh, advocating violent group on the left is not banned from iTunes, but anybody who's kind of fringy on the right isn't banned. I wasn't banned from iTunes, but I was, I've gotten suppressed by YouTube and um, WordPress and other things. So, so then you have what I call the hotel room effect or the smoking room effect, where in back in the day when I used to smoke and a lot of people used to smoke, you would smoke a couple of cigarettes in your hotel room. It would air out. It happened all the time. I used to smoke sometimes in my office, which I shared with an anti-smoker, and he never knew because it was in the middle of the night and it would just air out. He was so mad when he found out. And I was like, why? It didn't affect you at all. You didn't even care. But anyway, whatever. Maybe I was wrong. But but then when they made smoking rooms, they would make one floor on a 15-floor hotel, and all the smokers had to jam in there. So every one of those rooms was just insanely smoke-filled, and you just had this idea that smokers are just everybody's a chain smoker filthy disgusting because you're cordoning them off into one small area that that gives it a certain flavor a certain smell that isn't that overemphasize over um misrepresents the true nature of any of the individuals so i was telling binkley this and he sent me uh an amazingly apropos clip from michael moore but but it says so much about michael moore's mentality about control about bullying about his own point of view and that folds into something tim cook said about a point of view uh and and 
I want to demonstrate this is not freedom. This is not what the First Amendment is is there for, or all of our liberties, all of our American way is not about this dictatorial. Um, you know, there's only one right point of view. The right point of view is that every person should have the same rights and liberties. And and beyond that, I don't think there's anything we can all agree to, which is why these guys take it from a moral point of view, because they want to act like anybody who doesn't agree with their point of view is just bad, and, and they can't articulate why. But let's play that clip real quick of Michael Moore, and then after the break we can uh, explain why it has larger implications than just what he's saying. You can't build a bridge to a racist or a misogynist. You know, they have, they have to be shunned and treated like we treated smokers 20 years ago, 10 years ago. You know, I walked down the street the other day with my sister, and I said, let's just see how long we can go before we see somebody smoking. Not the people sitting outside the buildings desperate to right. grab five minutes. But literally walking down the street, we, we walked 10, 20 minutes. There's <laughs> never not a smoker. Racist and misogynist shunned. But, but why ignore the people he drove to desperation? And and why were those people driven to desperation? Because private companies were denied the right to offer jobs to smokers. They could say, we will pay you 10% less, but you're allowed to smoke inside this building in a safe way. You know, but he doesn't care. You know what I mean? That kind of liberty is not okay. He's proud that we bullied smokers. I understand racism and misogyny is morally wrong. It is. It's a crime against the Holy Spirit. I can't hear you. But... Um, Sorry, they call everything racist. Yeah, but smoking is, and uh, I mean, so what they so what they do? They're proud of of bullying people and changing laws to encroach on people's private property. And I used to defend the rights of bars too, really vehemently, to allow smoking. You cannot start encroaching on private property rights like that, and and it's just a slippery slope. And look, he uses that. And Bloomberg used to use that as an example of why he should ban sugary drinks yeah. and drive people to drink NutraSweet. Like his position is de facto morally superior. It's totally arguable. Yeah, <sighs> it gets me so hot, <laughs> so angry hot. Um, <laughs> after the break, we'll we'll give you a little more of that. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything she said was true. She knew. Nobody believed her. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So basically, we have some... Uh, I, w- I want to get to these clips, but I want to play them back to back. We don't have time in this short segment. So I want to do a couple of things that are... Uh, A little bit of an aside, one, I want to just tell people who are interested in voter integrity and the activism uh, of Voter GA, which Garland Favorito has been on our show several times, and uh, he really leads the charge, he and his team, his organization. So they are going to present current system improvement opportunities and new system requirements at the Safe Voting System Commission. Write this down. If you have the time, you can dash over there. Make your, if you're in Macon, you can make your presence known and, uh, and just add some support. You don't have to know anything. Just show up. It's at 1015 on Wednesday, December 12th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. But you can go to VoterGA.org or their Facebook page. To learn more, um, it's the SOS, Professional Licensing Board Division. It's at 237 Coliseum Drive in Macon. So uh, if you want to just 
lend your support to Garland. I think bodies make a difference, and you can definitely get involved in this organization and just see what it's about. Uh, I think Facebook's the best way to get in touch with that. Also, I have, I really am in the Christmas spirit. I know it's hard to believe because uh, we're just dove, dove right back in the news. I was like, oh, maybe we'll just. Maybe we'll just have a real light show. It's a light show, but it's it's definitely not Christmas themed. But I did want to uh, offer, share with people every once in a while for a holiday or actually every holiday uh, that comes around, I try to bring out a new cocktail or modification of an old cocktail or something I've created to kind of capture the spirit. So I'm going to share my recipe for my favorite or this year's favorite anyway, holiday drink it's called a poinsettia and you can make it with or without alcohol so it can just be festive and beautiful and it's i i think i'll maybe i should try to post it on monica perez show.com let's see if i can do a good job getting that up it's it's uh, i'll just drive people to that it's a it's a drink with cranberry juice and champagne you can use soda if you want and i really love that and i want to um spread some Christmas cheer. So let me, I'll just go ahead at the next break and put it on Monica Perez show.com and then I'll tweet it. I love, uh, my best way to communicate is at Monica Perez show and Binkley is at freedom act radio. Do you ever, do you ever, are you a craft cocktail fan? Binkley, you just like the, uh, I'll drink them. I'm not as into them as you are, but I like the way them as I am. <laughs> there is nobody on earth. And I don't even drink that much. I just, only have one or two, but I just, they're so fun. You choose good drinks. I do. I do. I think I have good taste in, in cocktails, and I always make sure I have a non-alcoholic version, which my husband thinks I'm training my kids to actually drink cocktails. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm teaching them to drink colorful sodas. Anyway, I'll be right back. Uh, this is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Monica Perez. Now, there is a president who may have been elected, but the real man in charge lives several miles underground. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB coming into the home stretch, and maybe I should uh, emphasize my libertarian position. We're talking about censorship by Tim Cook at Apple uh, and other media outlets, other big personalities, Michael Moore. I've got a little something else. Uh, Binkley brought me from the Council on Foreign Relations going for the censorship. And uh, to be absolutely clear, I read a great article by Jose Nino on um, Mises.org about deplatforming, getting kicked off social media. And if if these social media platforms actually are private entities who have carte blanche over their who they accept or do not accept. And I believe in uh, private property rights. Absolutely. So you should be able to, I, I don't like it. I wouldn't patronize a company who did it, but you can discriminate, you can censor, you can do whatever you want, and I can choose not to use you and use somebody who I uh, prefer. But the way the big tech kind of oligopoly has emerged has been on the shoulders of uh, government aid, government picked and chose the ones, the people, the organizations that would serve their purposes. So it's my opinion, actually, that the Internet is a great big limited hangout where they use it for us to personally give up all of our personal information for their surveillance state and then 
Uh, we were used to having this freedom of information. We were used to getting all, really having our eyes open to the truth. Now it's time for them to crack down on that, on the limited hangout part, the hangout part, and censor it all. So that's all I think these people are doing. And and the tell is that they want only their points of view brought across. So when the clip we heard before the break that Michael Moore was so proud of the fact that they bullied smokers, coerced private property owners, drove people, <laughs> hypothermia, I noticed, was the latest smoking-related illness when I lived in New York because people had to smoke outside in the freezing cold. Even if your own boss smoked, he could not allow you to smoke inside. And Michael Moore just loves that. He's, it makes him giddy, so excited. But he's not the only one, so I want to play... A clip from Tim Cook getting this reward for uh, award from the Anti-Defamation League for his great work in censoring Alex Jones. And uh, and he tells us slightly subtly that you have to have a point of view. And this is actually why I hate what they call stakeholder responsibility or corporate activism socially because they take your your only way to participate in capitalism and mass capitalism's quasi fascism that we have here is to buy some shares of stock so so if you can't uh start your own company because of the great regulatory state you want to buy some stock so what do they do they take your money and they appoint a guy like tim cook to use your money to foster this political point of view that you may not share so they get you coming and going and uh, let's let's just listen to his and then i have some counterpoints uh in clips that i want to hear binkley can we have that clip six yeah as hate tries to make its headquarters in the digital world at apple we believe that technology needs to have a clear point of view on this challenge and he also mentions at other times in the speech repeatedly how morality uh, they they need to set the moral standards. So so he acts like morality is objective and his morality is correct. But but true but morality is not. Otherwise the thing that is objective is the fact that we should all be treated equally under the law and that our rights and privileges cannot interfere with the privileges and rights of others. That's the line that's drawn. It's a, it emerges organically as you defend yourself. That's the line that I think is enshrined in the American experiment. But somebody from another country at a Council of Foreign Relations seminar on journalism, if I'm not mistaken, has a different point to make. Is that right, Binkley? This was a CFR symposium on journalism? Yeah, it's a symposium on the future of journalism. Okay, and this is just a regular guy in the audience asking a question of the of people like Brian Stelter or people we know from the media. Yeah, Brian Stelter from CNN is the one I think he directs the question at. Clip 16. 16. Don't you think banning anyone based on their point of view is a kind of censorship? And who is to decide what I say is offensive or not? What I say may be offensive to some people on that side of the world and might be praised on the other side of the world. So... Don't you think freedom of speech or freedom of press is against any kind of censorship in this digital age? We see like Twitter or any other media outlet, they ban people immediately based on some unfavorable point of view. Thank you. 
So what that guy is is saying, so when you hear his accent, maybe you think, oh, he probably maybe comes from a misogynistic culture. You know, that's that's de facto bad. If he's offending me, it's offensive. But uh, Austin tweeted me about this journal of controversial ideas, which I looked into, and it was established by a bioethicist who wanted to protect people who had controversial ideas by allowing them to publish anonymously. Now, the ideas are totally offensive to me. It's all about infanticide, euthanasia, um, genetic engineering, things that I personally believe go to the very heart of the sanctity of a human life and not even from a religious point of view just i i think that you have to you know that's a moral position but do i want to stop them from having that conversation is it crystal clear one of us is right and one of us is wrong i can't even say that that so there are that's what the discourse is about and that's what this guy was defending so Binkley said what you want to say, and then I want one more clip to prove that that he's that that's not what they're after. They're not after discourse. Yeah, there was a couple of people that asked questions like that during this panel discussion, and the response from the panel was just like, "Oh, uh, okay, next question." Yeah, that's what they. I've noticed that before, and they that they don't have an answer to it because there is no answer. But if you go back, and I think this was from the same symposium, clip nine, she tells us same thing with like what Michael Moore and Tim Cook were after. She tells us it's not about uh, about protecting journalism as a way for uh, us to have discourse on ideas and exchange ideas and try to get to the right answer. It's something different. I believe it's clear from this clip nine. If not, I'll tell you what I was thinking. Let's hear it. One of the ways that we, we know you can displace information is by setting an alternative narrative. And this is point number two. Fact-checking in real time has real merits if you can get it right. To the extent that we can create a coherent understanding of what the world is, it will displace individual pieces of factual inaccuracy. But that requires a kind of journalism that's hard to do in an environment in which everybody's being deadline-driven. One of the reasons I'm very impressed by what the Internet digital age can do is that if, it's, if it uses its interactive capacity well, it can put those narratives in. So she's saying there are inaccurate facts on the Internet, and we can't actually correct those facts in real time. So what you need to do is create this narrative, this cohesive idea of what the world is and insert those narratives in a in a kind of algorithmic way of responding to how people are thinking. And there are other studies out right now about how really in-depth studies, and I think they're really blueprints for journalists to influence people's behavior and thoughts and ideas through headline wording, through going viral without ever resorting to facts and argument. And so she's actually saying, we don't want your point of view. We want our point of view. She goes with the coherent understanding of what the world is with the narrative that will keep people from thinking about other points of view. And one of the ways she sh- she suggests that they do that after this is she says that they need to use the interactive nature of virtual reality to put people in the narrative so that they experience something that could very well be made up. So if oh, they experience yeah. it, yes. they believe it. That's like taking facts are facts, but truth is true, yeah. like to the next level. One thing, I so I actually stumbled upon, uh, I go to this website once in a while called the Journalist Resource, and it basically... It, it it gets all the journalists on the same page. It tells them what to think yeah. and how to think and what's right. It's it's I'm sure it's for like newbies, 
but that's all they're doing. You know, they're just training them. So one of the things that it said it had like five new studies of uh, on jur- on on media's impact. And one of the things I thought was interesting, and it spoke to something that you had highlighted all along about was it Sinclair? What is the little the Sinclair? Lo- yeah. So that's that was being targeted. Uh, it said that as local newspapers and local news sources go away. Uh, diminish in number and the national stuff increases in number polarization sets in takes hold so that people are not willing to cross the aisle and vote for a candidate they like so by attacking Sinclair media and, and any kind of the the local media you increase political discord and that's definitely on their agenda we, we I highlighted it I didn't even know why but there it is. Yeah, and Brian Stelter in that same panel, he said it is the tech company's responsibilities to step in and take some control over local news. Yeah, that's what that I feel like all of this is pointing to the same uh, goal. And the goal is this one one world, one world viewpoint. And and the thing is, the viewpoint is not about liberty, and it's not even about secular humanism. It's not even about respecting people in a in a humanistic way. So, like, you can look back at morality, spirituality, religion as like a sanctity of life thing, a relationship with God thing, as a as a the maybe the the morality that secular humanism is trying to replace. So they talk about human rights, they talk about. Um, Poverty with dignity and stuff. It's very kind of earth-based as opposed to like Mother Teresa who said, I don't care if you have poverty as long as you get to heaven. But they're not even doing that because what Tim Cook is talking about, about taking the moral high ground and that his morality and his customers' morality define his or drive his curation choices. That's uh, close to a quote of his from this speech. And then you have uh, all over iTunes, when I Googled most offensive song lyrics and I came out and I, the first thing that came up, I just went to the first thing. It was 27 songs and 27 artists. Every one of those artists is on iTunes and almost every one of these songs, including Kim by Eminem, which is absolutely about a violent attack on a woman for vengeance. Uh, Treat Her Like a Prostitute by Slick Rick is one of the few, by one of the few lyrics or song titles I can actually read on the air (laughs) that I would be reading them all. I had to get down to number nine before I could read one. Uh, Another one is Ice-T, everybody's favorite, whatever. Uh, He seems like a warm and cuddly guy. His song (laughs) Home Invasion is uh, about, I think, kidnapping kids and killing their parents. So these are the values that are driving Tim Cook's curation. You know what I'm saying? It's not. There is no value system here. If there were a value system that made him superior, I would consider it. But it's not consistent, and it's a clear. there's absolutely no value system that could support that. Yeah, to reiterate, he just won the Courage Against Hate Award from the Anti-Defamation League for removing Alex Jones and violent conspiracy theories from the iTunes platform, and all of those things you just read are still on the platform. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap it up after the break, and um, maybe we'll give people an idea of where we, they can get resources to verify some of this craziness. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
can really see my penchant for sci-fi when you hear my drops. So we're wrapping it up, but I got to say, in all the... Binkley just goes bananas. He's a little uh, high energy in the middle of the night and sends me like 30 clips on a Saturday morning. (laughs) And half of them I can't even understand. But this one, and I am not a sports fan, but this one, the way he described how ridiculous this is, he I have to play it for you. We have to end the show on this light note. But we're also going to tweet... Um, this the Tim Cook speech, the CFR uh, symposium, and my delicious Christmas cocktail recipe. So sign up to our Twitter's at Monica Perez Show and at Freedom Act Radio. So Binkley, you've got two minutes exactly to play the clip and then tell me why it's ridiculous. Okay, this is Michael Moore on MSNBC, and they had previously just been talking about how immoral and racist Trump and Trump supporters are, and he's using this as an illustration as to how virtuous he is. If you've ever played basketball, I want you to listen to how ridiculous this clip is. (laughs) When I was in uh, junior high school, I was playing basketball and um, I was over in the far corner and I did a hook shot in the far corner where the two out of bounds lines meet. And I saw my foot go out of bounds and I made it went over my head and I made a swish in the basket. And and I the the refs didn't see it. And I basically I I said to the ref, I, I stepped out of bounds. And the coach was like, what are you doing? I'm like, it wasn't a fair basket. How would I feel if we won? And it was because of that basket, which I know wasn't right because I'd stepped out of bounds. I'm not sure everybody in the country is burdened with that morality. Aren't we all raised that way to know what's right and wrong? Okay. Nobody takes a hook shot from the far (laughs) corner near the out-of-bounds line in a real basketball game. And nobody makes that shot. It, it could be Jordan versus Bird playing horse. They're not making that shot. <laughs> and and looking at their feet? While the looking time. at their feet. He, he just closes his eyes, flips it over his head, nothing but that. So virtuous, Mr. Referee. I was out of bounds. That, I mean, that really illustrates how much of a pathological liar he and is. And I think, hasn't he admitted that you lie for the greater truth? Like, his, his documentaries are Full of deception. He is he is analyzed in like a number of propaganda books, academic propaganda books, because that's what his work is. All right, we have no time to, to oh. go on, but uh, <laughs> but we do have the podcast that we continue to produce. It's uh, Propaganda Report Daily. At, I think it's dot libsyn maybe where you can get that. And uh, we'll be back. I think four to six in two weeks. So until then, check out Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. Thank you, Binkley. Thank you, Rachel. Later.